Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Praise God. Good evening, everyone. Let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Genesis. Um, we're going we're gonna to look in chapter 2 for a little bit tonight. But I, really, I was thinking about <clears throat> um, that scripture that the Lord gave me specifically uh, for this year, Jeremiah 33.3. And, uh, and it, it was one of your your memory verses for this year, promise verses, and uh, it says, call to me and I will answer you and will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. And you know, the Lord is already doing this. The Lord is already doing these things for us. Uh, Matter of fact, I got a call um, uh, from my dad, Pastor Roxanne Alexander. By the way, we're going to have her on a special Sunday night service. She has requested to come because she's got something very exciting to share with us and she wants to minister to you. But um, at Christmas time, I got a package in the mail from her and Miss Deb, and it was a pair of uh, Christmas decorated socks. And she said, "We saw these, and we thought of you, Pastor Eric. So, Merry Christmas!" So, and so I, I wrote him a thank you card, and I, in the and as I was writing out this thank you card, the Lord gave me a word for them. And so I just, and I wish I could remember what it was. I was talking to Eric about it earlier. And it was a specific word. I actually had to look it up in the dictionary to see what it, the the actual definition of it. So I, I wrote out. I said, "The Lord gave me this word for you." And so then she called my dad today and just told him, she said, hey, I just wanted to tell you, she said, I want to minister there because that word that Pastor Eric gave us is already come to pass and, and we're seeing it unfold more and more. So um, I'm, I'm just telling you, this really is the year of great and mighty things yeah. uh, that, that we do not know. So I want yeah. you to just remind you to have an expectation. I want to read a scripture to you for just a moment. Um, out of Proverbs chapter 15, and I'm going to read to you from the Amplified Version. You can just stay in Genesis 2, and we'll get there in a moment. But I, I, uh, I sense the Lord is, is wanting to say something to you tonight, and um, specifically in this way. Proverbs chapter 15 and uh, verse 15. Proverbs 15, 15. Now listen to what the Amplified Version says. All the days of the desponding and afflicted are made evil. Now watch this. The days of the desponding and afflicted are made evil by anxious thoughts and forebodings. That is, expecting bad things to happen. The expectation of evil. The expectation of things going bad. Huh? And those days are made evil. So you can make your days evil. You can make your days good by what's happening here, what you think about that day, what you think is coming ahead. Those days were made evil by anxious thoughts and, and forebodings. But he who has a glad heart has a continual feast regardless of circumstances. But he who has a glad heart has a continual feast regardless of circumstances. You know, I was thinking about um, my when Maddie Claire was, I don't know, somewhere between six and seven years old, we were on our way home from Wednesday night church, and she's sitting in the back seat, and she says, Mom, what does... F mean? She actually said the word. <laughs> and, and it was like, and of course, Heather tried not to overreact, you know. Uh, she said, oh, um, you know, we just had church. You're all happy. You're like, you've been in fellowship. And then your daughter, your six-year-old daughter says, mm, what does? And so she said, well, where did you hear that word, sweetheart? Could you believe that she heard it in children's church? Now, I know that you wouldn't believe that now, but this was when my dad was pastoring, so we can understand that things like that happened from time to time. 
<laughs> she said, from so-and-so, and I won't give you her name, but her initials are Brittany Collins. Anyway, and uh, <laughs> she, <laughs> and so uh, anyway, Brittany, I love you. If you're listening to this, it was so long ago. We, this is long in the past. So anyway, um, so Maddie, uh, so Heather says, oh, well, you know, um, we don't want to, you know, we don't need to say that word. Well, Laurel says, well, what's wrong with saying, mm? so she's like, okay, let's, can we just stop this right now? And we see this Adamic nature peek through once in a while. So much so that if you're not careful, you'll come to expect it to happen. My son, when he was in the second grade, came home one day with a note from his teacher saying that your son has vandalized a school building with a friend of his and uh, by writing on the walls, on the outside. It was one of those mobile units, you know, those temporary, uh, what do they call those things? Portable. portable, yeah, portable, yeah, thank you. And wrote on, and so I thought, oh, goodness. So I sat down on the edge of the bed. I bring him in the bedroom, and so I'm expecting what I heard, we heard our daughter say years before. You know, he just... Okay, well, here it is. Now it's hit him. I said, what did you write on the, on the wall, son? And he hangs his head in shame. And I'm thinking, okay, here it is. Right. And he looks up at me and says, booger and chicken. <laughs> I, went, I did exactly what you did. I went, <laughs> I didn't feel like whipping him now. Thank you, God. Okay. Crazy. I got one saved child in the house. Okay, well, we can deal with that, all right. And he said, and Dad, we wrote it with a pencil. I was like, oh, okay. I'm imagining my son with Krylon out there. <sighs> no, it was, it was just a pencil. So they erased it and took care of it, but it was just a relief. <laughs> but it taught me a lesson to not always expect the worst things, all right? To not always expect the worst. And I'll just, I just want to encourage you, just because you've had bad experiences doesn't mean that you need to continue to expect bad experiences because despite the circumstances, listen to me, Despite the circumstances, the scripture said if you've got a glad heart, you have a continual feast regardless of those things. All right? So let's just let your heart be full of expectation of good. Because Christ, one of the things that Jesus is doing for us, Hebrews chapter 9 verse 11 says, Now Christ has become our high priest of the good things to come. Jesus is there. One of the things he does for you and I is that he sits there on that throne and the fact that he is seated there, that is ensuring us good things are coming to us. Yeah. All right? Amen. To expect anything else is not him, is not of him. Anything less than that. So, amen. Great and mighty things. Hallelujah. Yeah. All right. Amen. Now, let's go to uh, Genesis chapter uh, 2. And I want to read, I want to start in verse 7 and... Um, and we're going we're gonna to spend time in chapter 3, and we're going to parallel that with Romans chapter 5. But Genesis chapter 2 says in verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Now jump down to verse 15 in your Bibles, if you would. Verse 15, Then the Lord 
God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. To tend and to keep it. The word keep here means to guard it. And my question is, what does Adam have to guard the garden for? What is he guarding against? Guard the garden. Why is he, what is he guarding against? Well, don't forget, there is a serpent that's in that garden. All right? And there is a tree that he's not supposed to eat of. So he's there to tend and he's there to keep or to guard. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat out of the tree, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And we know that, that time um, for Adam, as far as aging was concerned, that really wasn't a factor because he was created to live forever within the, this time. But this, this time was never meant to end and there was, there was never meant to be any corrosion or corruption ever take place. God made the world, fashioned it like heaven. And he made man a living soul and he actually made Adam a, an eternal living soul. All right? But he had a choice whether he wanted to have that eternal life and eternal fellowship or choose death. The Lord, and later on in this chapter, you can read that the Lord brought the animals. I love this. He brought the animals. He formed them out of the dust of the ground, and he would bring them to Adam to see what he would call them. And why would God do that? Because God put man in charge of the earth. Remember, in chapter 1, we read that he told him that he had dominion over all the animals, the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and the, uh, the animals that walked on the face of the earth. So that he, he would create them. I imagine they had a lot of fun that day. And God would bring them and say, Adam, what do, you, what do you say that is? That looks like a cow. Cow. All right, a cow it is. And just went through naming all these animals. And then as, as God looked out over what he had created up to this point, he created man, he saw the animals, and he says, there's no one that can match Adam, though. There's not someone comparable to him, and it's not good that he's alone like this. Even though God walked with Adam every day, they had a special meeting every day where they would walk in fellowship, walk and talk together, and God knew that there was something that he himself as God could not provide for Adam in his walk on the earth. And so he said, it's not good that Adam is alone. I will make one, a helper, comparable to him. So then God put Adam in a deep sleep, and he slept, and he opened up his side, and he took from his side a rib from his side. This is an interesting thing. Took a rib from his side, and he closed up that place, and out of that rib, he formed a bride for Adam. Adam went to sleep, a bachelor, and woke up married. What a deal. <laughs> and he, um, that usually happens to, to guys when they get married. Huh? It's a pretty big wake-up call, isn't it? Oh, you're still here. Huh. I can remember when I first, when I first uh, got married to Heather. I, when we were dating, I we just had this routine. I would just take her to her, her parents' house every evening after our date, and then I'd go home. And, and then I, we got married, and we got an apartment, and I start heading right to her parents' house. <laughs> and she says, where are you going? I said, I'm taking you. Oh, I get to keep you now. Yeah, all right. It's fantastic. Uh, but so then God created 
and when Adam woke up, there she was. And then Adam said, this is bone of my bone. None of that out there was. This is flesh of my flesh. And I will call her woman, for she came from man. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Well, then let's go over now to chapter 3 of Genesis. Genesis chapter 3. Everybody good? And we're going to start in verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning or crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, uh, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? I'd like to know what... It kind of just throws us into this situation without giving us any background that it was normal for a serpent to talk to a human. You know, I don't know if this is the first time that he has spoken to them, but it, she just goes right into a conversation with them like maybe they had spoken before. All right? And so he's, he says, has God indeed said? Because otherwise you would, you would think that the author of this, that Moses who wrote, would, would, would say something. Like, and he said, ah, ah, talking snake, or, you know, something. But she just talks right back to him. He said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of, your, you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. What's Adam not doing? He's not guarding the garden. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew. What did they know now that they didn't know before? They knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. They knew that they were naked. They didn't know this before. How did they not know? Are they clueless? Are they clueless? Or is it that they are not focused on such things? It wasn't till they sinned that the devil, through his deception, caused them to see themselves now as shameful, not as created in God's image, but as shameful people. And that first thing that hit Adam and Eve was condemnation. And they saw they were naked, and so they, now they're ashamed of who they are, and they're ashamed of, so they, they go do what they can to try to fix this, which is man's futile attempt all the time at trying to fix his problems, sewing fig leaves together. Now watch this. Let's keep reading. Then the Lord God called to Adam, verse 9. No, 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 verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. 
Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was what? Afraid. Why? Because I, we already are ashamed and now you're about to see something that we are seeing for the first time. And Lord, we don't want you to see what we saw. We were afraid. We were afraid because I, I was, why? Because I was naked. In other words, I didn't want you to see what I saw. And I hid myself and he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? And the man said, what did the man say? First cop out right here in the scripture. The woman could almost say, who have you gave to me? I didn't ask for her. I woke up and you had, she was there. I didn't go propose to her. I didn't go find a wife. You found her for me. So the woman you gave me, God, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Verse 13. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent who you, no, you didn't give him to me. Uh, The serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, So he goes to Adam, then to Eve, then the devil. So the Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. You know, he didn't tell the devil, Why have you done this? Why did you do this? He knew why the devil did it. He knew why the enemy did it, because the devil is the one who sin from the beginning. He expected him to do something that was contrary to God. Because you have done this. But he didn't expect Adam and Eve to do it. Why did you do this? It's not you. But he didn't question that about the devil. He knew that was him. And more than every beast of the field on the belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Verse 15. And I will put enmity or hatred between you and the woman. Talking to the serpent. And between your seed and her First mention of Jesus right here. And her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. I love this. God's redemption plan now fully intact. Right here, God has an answer to this major dilemma. All right, this isn't the end. This isn't the end. God didn't say, you know what? That was, that was not worth it. All right? And just thump earth away. Didn't do that. He had a plan intact. Why? Because he loved man. All right? And God is a restoring, redeeming God. And he can take what's broken and hopeless and dark and void and make it good again. Make it right. And breathe life and light into that situation. So, but there were consequences to those actions. And this is, this is what we're talking about in, in, in Genesis. Is one of those big things, uh, big themes of our belief, um, that is the, the curse of sin and death, the curse of sin and death, which came through this fall right here, Adam being the father of the fall, the father of the fall. Kind of interesting, throughout the Genesis, you can see 
these characters rise that represent something to us today. Adam's the father of the fall. Noah's father of the flood. Abraham's the father of faith. Isn't that awesome? Jacob, father of favor. Joseph, father of faithfulness. We'll, we'll use good F words. Um, now let's go to Romans 5. The curse of sin. This is the first, this is the first uh, worldwide curse. The first thing, the first thing curse, I, I should say, that, that affected all mankind. Because of Adam's sin, all of us were made sinners. Romans chapter 5, and we'll start around verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, there it is, and death through sin. And thus death spread to who? All men because all sinned. And you know what? You hadn't even sinned and you were already counted that you sinned. It already accounted to you. Do you remember what the disciples said when, when they came across the man that was born blind? And they said, Lord, who sinned? This man's parents or him that he was born blind? I always thought that was such a stupid question. I understand that the parents, maybe they sinned, but the baby sinned that he was born blind? That doesn't make any sense. Except that they understood the Adamic nature of sin and that he was born a sinner, born a sinner. All of us were born sinners. By this one man, sin entered the world and death through sin. So we understand that all of us our, our, this is our condition when we're born into the world. The condition of, we are in the condition of sin. So that means then we need help. We are born needing help. All right, let's keep going. Verse 13. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. We'll talk about that maybe later. Verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even though those who had not sinned, you see what I mean? Maybe they hadn't even committed a sin, but they were still accounted sinners according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. Verse 15. Now, but the free gift is not like the offense. Say free gift. The free gift is not like for if by one man's offense many died. In other words, by one man's offense, the payment for that offense was what? Death. The wages of sin is death death, or the payment of sin is death. Much more, say much more. All right, so we have free gift and much more, the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. All right, so this is teaching us that Adam's sin, that offense brought the consequence of death. But grace was not a consequence. Grace was a gift. All right, grace was not a wage Grace was not earned. Grace was given, okay? The free gift. And how'd that come? By the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Next, verse 16. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. That's, the, that's what I'm saying. It was the first thing that hit Adam and Eve was condemnation. The judgment which came from the offense or their sin resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. Now, this sounds interesting to me. And if you, let's, let's, uh, let me tell you what it sounds like he's saying, all right? Maybe you'll agree with me. 
It sounds like he's saying that judgment came from one offense and that resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses, as in those many offenses produced the free gift. Is that what it sounds like it's saying to you? But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. That's what it sounds like it's saying, and it almost is. (laughs) It almost is. Because the many offenses could not produce anything but death. But they produced something in God to help us. And so because of the sin kept compounding and compounding and compounding, he said, okay, then I'm going to have to give them something because there's no way they can fix this. They're getting worse and worse and worse, and sin is getting worse. I mean, sin, I mean, the transgression went south real fast. Adam stole a piece of fruit, and then his son killed his brother. I mean, that's how fast they were going down, right? What does the old phrase say? Sin keeps you longer than you wanted to stay, costs you more than you wanted to pay, and takes you further than you wanted to stray. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. This is totally a gift. Your justification was a gift that you absolutely could not earn. God had to intervene. Verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more, say much more, those who receive, all right, so this is going to take faith on our part, isn't it? Those who receive abundance of grace. Oh, thank God for the abundance of grace. And of the gift of righteousness. How did you get that gift of righteousness? You got that righteousness by faith in him, all right? Will reign in life, hallelujah, through the one Jesus Christ. Next, verse 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men. Is that true, all men? Resulting in condemnation, yeah, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life, all right? Praise God. Verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, man, he's just reiterating over and over and over again. For by one man's disobedience, as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. That part right there is what gets me. It wasn't my obedience that made me righteous. It was his obedience that made me righteous. It was his obedience that made you righteous. You don't have to obey God to be righteous. You have to believe God. And what's interesting is is that his obedience then becomes God says that if Jesus did it, so what he actually sees you as actually obeying. Yeah. Jesus got credited with your disobedience, and you were credited with Jesus' obedience. This is what makes the free gift so much greater than the other thing, greater than the offense. Why did God do that? I don't know, because he loves us. I mean, he really, really loves us, that he would trade that, your disobedience, say, Jesus did that, and you obeyed. (laughs) Wow. Many will be made righteous. Continue, verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. And we, and we know that that happened, right? As soon as the law came, right? Then, then the law showed the children of Israel just how sinful they were. Right? Paul said it like this. The law came, sin revived, and I died. The more it said don't do, the more I wanted to do. Come on. Paul's not alone in that. 
right? The more it said, don't do, the more I wanted to do. Moreover, the law sin entered that, that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Because sin was what we could produce, but God produced grace, all right? And because God is greater and because God is more, whatever he produces is going to far exceed what we can produce, all right? Grace abounded much more. Next, verse 21, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All right, we understand what we believe is that because one man sinned, death came to all men, and men are all born sinners. They're all born in need of being saved, in need of salvation, in need of grace. That's why we preach this good news to them. We preach the gospel of grace. We preach the message of God's grace, this free gift message that even though they weren't deserving, none of us were deserving of his grace, yet that's what God chose to give to us. And if they would simply believe that, simply receive from, since they already without choice received from Adam, but by choice and by faith, they can receive from the last Adam, hallelujah, and be made righteous by faith and receive that abundance of grace that far abounds, far exceeds, I should say, their sin. This is the first, first worldwide curse it affected all of us, the curse of sin and death. Now, you're gonna, we're going to learn over the book of Genesis that there are actually three universal curses, three universal curses that are all found in the book of Genesis, and I'll just give you a preview to those things. The next one is the curse of the flood. The water covered the entire world, all right? But see, God has an answer for all every curse that came upon the earth. Every universal curse. The first curse being sin and death, what did he give us? He gave us grace. He gave us salvation by grace through faith through Jesus Christ. All right? That's how he redeemed us. The next curse was the curse of the flood. But Peter takes us all the way over and says, this is the waters of baptism today. That curse was reversed in the waters of baptism. That when you come, go underwater, praise God, you, come, you rise up out of that water, unlike those who were perished in the flood. You come up out of that water, and Paul says you rise in newness of life. All right? There's not just a burial. There's not just a death. There is a resurrection. Amen. And then in, uh, in Genesis, that's in Genesis uh, 6, 7, and 8. And then in Genesis chapter 11, we'll see the curse of divided languages, where they were building the tower, Remember? And they said, let us make for ourselves a city because we don't want to go to the rest of the earth. We want to build ourselves here a tower. We want to make our name great right here. And they were defying God's plan, God's purpose to fill the earth and subdue it. So they stood in defiance. So we don't want to be spread across the earth. We want to build ourselves a city and build us a tower right here. So God came down and saw what was going on. He said, nothing's going to be impossible for these people because they all speak the same language. So he divided their tongues. He gave some Espanol. He gave some German. He got, I don't know what all he gave them, but he gave them all these dialects and no longer could they speak to one another anymore. So then they went all across the globe. And, but then God redeemed that on the day of Pentecost. And they all began to speak with other tongues and it, it said there appeared to them divided tongues 
Those divided tongues all were brought into one language, the language of the Spirit, and God redeemed that language. What once was a curse, that day brought the, the church together. That day is what united the church, and 3,000 people were brought into the kingdom of God. That day. Marvelous thing. So God leaves nothing undone, all right? He restores all. Jesus said, behold, I make all things new. The curse of sin and death, we find salvation. Hallelujah. The curse of the flood, we have water baptism. The curse of divided tongue, we have Holy Spirit baptism. These are really the, the three early steps of Christian, our Christian faith. Isn't that marvelous? So, and we'll, and we'll get into more detail of those things as we go. But tonight, I just wanted to touch base with you and talk to you about this one, the curse of sin and death, and how much this world, my family, needs. They need to hear a message of reconciliation. Because the truth is, men know. Men who are without God, they know they're without God. Now, they might suppress that truth and push it way down. They might numb it over. They might drink it away. Whatever they got to do, uh, work it away, stay busy. But it's still there. They're still a nagging. They're still a gnawing. And they might, they'll deny it to your face that that's not true. They don't believe that, whatever. But Romans 1 teaches us clearly that they're without excuse. All right? So they need to hear a message, not one of condemnation, but one of grace. That by one man's free gift, one man's free gift, many are made righteous. Many are made right with God, and that void can be filled with God himself. Amen. So I, I, just want, I just want to remind you that as you walk out there in the world and as you go to work, think along those lines that there are fallen men and women out there who so desperately need to hear this message, who are lost in their sin, and you have a message of hope for those. Amen. Father, thank you for this time together with my family tonight. Lord, we thank you that every good thing in our life comes from you continually over and over and over again. You are good and you do good. We thank you that you've given us your word. We thank you, Lord, for the promises of God that are in Christ Jesus. Yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Thank you, Lord, that you are able to make all grace abound to us, that we, always having all sufficiency in all things, have an abundance for every good word. Thank you, Lord. Father, that you are so faithful to us. Thank you that you have forgiven us of all of our sins. Thank you, Lord, that you have redeemed us. You brought us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Thank you, Lord, that you will show us great and mighty things that we do not know yet, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your favor upon your people that you surround them, Lord, as with a shield. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for healing bodies even tonight. Those who are here, Lord, suffering in any way, none of it is of you, Lord. And Lord, we just say we're not settling with this. We're not coping with this. We are overcoming this because Jesus overcame it. And I just declare healing to be released now into these bodies in Jesus' name, into these troubled minds, healing now in Jesus' name. Thank you right now for restoring, Lord. Thank you for healing. Thank you, Lord God, for making whole, Lord, regenerating, renewing right now in Jesus' name. I just speak to every tissue, every cell, and every fiber of their being to operate, to function at peak proficiency in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. You paid a dear price. You took stripes upon your back. Your body was broken for us. And so we receive, Lord, the exchange. You were wounded and we 
are healed. Thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. I call every family in here restored, whole, that love abounds in these homes. Love abounds. Love that covers a multitude of sins. Love that, that does not account evil. That does not think evil. That does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. A love that bears all things. A love that believes all things. A love that hopes all things. A love that endures all things. And best of all, a love that never fails. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.